welcome to part two of This Week in Tudor History for the week of the 11th to the 17th of January. I'm Claire Ridgway, author of several Tudor history books. Now, previously, I covered events from the 11th to the 13th of January. So let's start today with the 14th of January. On the 14th of January, 1515, in King Henry VIII's reign, Charles Brandon, Duke of Suffolk, was sent to France to bring back the king's sister, Mary Tudor, Queen of France, following the death of her husband, King Louis XII. 18-year-old Mary had married 52-year-old Louis on the 9th of October, 1514, but only after making her brother promise that if the French king died, she could marry a man of her choosing. That man ended up being Suffolk, Henry VIII's best friend, and the very man sent to fetch her. Following Louis' death, Mary reminded her brother of his promise to her and threatened to enter a convent if he went back on the deal. Suffolk, who was about 30, married Mary secretly in France in February 1515 and then again in a more formal ceremony in March 1515. I'll give you a link to my video on their secret wedding and the theories regarding the date of it. Francis I, the new French king, was furious with the couple for marrying secretly, going as far as to say to Suffolk that he should behead him. And Mary's brother, Henry VIII, was furious too. However, Henry and Catherine of Aragon attended the couple's official marriage at Greenwich Palace on the 13th of May, 1515. And he did eventually forgive his best friend and his favourite sister, The king's forgiveness, though, was helped by Mary surrendering things like jewels, plate and half her dowry to him. Moving on to the 15th of January 1555, in the reign of Queen Mary I, Jane Dudley, Duchess of Northumberland and wife of John Dudley, Duke of Northumberland, died in Chelsea in London. 46-year-old Jane had outlived her husband, who'd been executed in 1553 after Mary I had successfully seized the throne from the couple's daughter-in-law, Lady Jane Grey, or Queen Jane. Here are some facts about this Duchess of Northumberland. Jane was born Jane Guildford in 1508 or 1509 in Kent and was the daughter of Sir Edward Guildford, who served Henry VIII as Lord Warden of the Cinque Ports and his first wife, Eleanor West. In 1512, John Dudley, son of Edmund Dudley, who'd been executed by Henry VIII for high treason in 1510, joined Jane's father's household as a ward, and Jane was educated with him and her brother. Jane married John Dudley in 1525, and the couple went on to have 13 children. Sons Henry, Thomas, John, Ambrose, Robert, Guilford, another Henry and Charles, and daughters Mary, Catherine, Temperance, Margaret, and another Catherine. Jane served as a lady to Queens Anne Boleyn and Anne of Cleves. Jane was a reformer and corresponded with Protestant martyr Anne Askew during the latter's time in prison. In 1548, Jane was in such poor health that she nearly ended up having a leg amputated. In May 1553, at Durham House in London, the Dudley family home, Jane's son Guildford married Lady Jane Grey, daughter of Henry Grey, Duke of Suffolk and Francis Brandon. Then in July 1553, following King Edward VI's death, 
John Dudley, who'd led the King's government as Lord President, supported the accession of Lady Jane Grey as Queen Jane, according to the terms of Edward's device for the succession. However, King Henry VIII's eldest daughter, Mary, proclaimed herself queen and was able to take the throne. Members of the Dudley family, including Jane, were imprisoned in the Tower of London. Jane was soon released and tried to intercede with Mary for her husband and sons. Sadly, the Duke was executed on the 22nd of August, 1553, and Guildford and his wife, Lady Jane Grey, were executed in February 1554 following Wyatt's rebellion. Jane's other sons were released in late 1554, but the eldest John died shortly after his release. Jane died at Chelsea on the 15th of January 1555 and was buried there. Her surviving children included Ambrose Dudley, Earl of Warwick, Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester and favourite of Queen Elizabeth I, and Mary Sidney, who was the mother of poets Philip and Robert Sidney. Moving on to the 16th of January. On the 16th of January, 1501, in the reign of King Henry VII, courtier and good friend of Henry VIII, Sir Anthony Denny, was born at Cheshunt in Hertfordshire. He was the second son of Sir Edmund Denny, Baron of the Exchequer to King Henry VIII, and his wife, Mary Troutbeck. Anthony was educated at St Paul's School, London, before moving on to St John's College, Cambridge. Following employment in the service of Sir Francis Bryan, a man known as the Vicar of Hell, Denny joined King Henry VIII's Privy Chamber in 1533 and was made a Yeoman of the Wardrobe in 1536. He rose to become Keeper of the Privy Purse in 1542, and then in 1546, first Chief Gentleman of the Privy Chamber and Groom of the Stool. In 1540, following the King's doomed marriage to Anne of Cleves, Denny was one of those in whom the King confided about his unhappiness in the marriage. Denny benefited from the dissolution of the monasteries by being granted land and properties, including the abbeys of Waltham and St Albans and the priories of Cheshunt and Hartford. Denny was married to Joan Champernown, sister of Catherine Ashley, Catherine Ashley being Elizabeth I's governess. Both Denny and Joan were keen Protestants. Joan served as a lady to Anne of Cleves and Catherine Parr and was one of those ladies at court that the Catholic Conservatives hoped that Protestant martyr Anne Askew would implicate in 1546. In the King's final years, Denny was a holder of the royal stamp, a dry stamp of the King's signature. And in the King's final hours in January 1547, Denny was the one chosen to tell the King of his imminent death, telling him to prepare himself to death and to call upon God and for grace and mercy. Denny was chosen as an executor of Henry VIII's will and at his funeral procession with Sir William Herbert was set at the head and feet of the said corpse. In King Edward VI's reign, Denny was sent with the Marquess of Northampton to put down Ket's rebellion in the summer of 1549. But he died at Cheshunt on the 10th of September, 1549. Denny was survived by five sons and four daughters and an illegitimate son. 
In his will, he left instructions for his wife, Joan, to educate their children so that the Commonwealth may find them profitable members and not burdens as idle drones be to the hive. His grandson, Edward Denny, 1st Earl of Norwich, son of Denny's eldest son and heir, Henry, served Queen Elizabeth I as a groom of the Privy Chamber and married a granddaughter of William Cecil, Baron Burley. He was created Earl of Norwich in 1626. A bit of trivia now. In June 1548, after Catherine Parr had found her husband, Thomas Seymour, in an embrace with her stepdaughter, Elizabeth, the future Elizabeth I, Elizabeth was sent to live with Denny and his wife, Joan, at their home in Cheshunt to protect the princess's reputation and Catherine's marriage. Now we move on to the 17th of January. In Elizabeth I's reign, on the 17th of January, 1587, famous clockmaker, sundial maker and scientific instrument maker, Bartholomew Newsom or Newsham, died. He was buried in the church of St. Mary Le Strand, the parish in which he lived and worked. He was in his 50s at his death. Newsom, who is thought to have come from the York area, worked for Queen Elizabeth I, repairing clocks and perhaps even making them for her. He was born in around 1530, and he married Parnell Young in 1565, having at least 14 children with her. He was survived by four of his children, to one of whom, Edward, he left his clockmaker's tools in the hope that he would follow in his footsteps. His biographer, Adrian Finch, writes of him, He was among the first English clockmakers whose skills were recognised by the crown and whose clocks are judged equal to those of his foreign contemporaries. Examples of Newsom's work can still be seen in the British Museum and the Met Museum. I'll give you links to see his gilt copper spring-driven table clock, his gilt brass box made for storing a set of drawing instruments, his table clock and travelling case, and his repeater, watch and key. They really are stunning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.